Hey, welcome back to the American Cattleman Podcast. Great to have you with us again today. Coming up, we'll highlight a couple of great stories in this edition of the American Cattleman Magazine, and then dive into our conversation with Mark McCauley from the American Angus Association based in St. Joseph, Missouri. Then we'll switch gears and head south to learn more about the famous King Ranch of Texas. And we'll close the gate with our good friend Celeste Centrini, who, with her brother, works a ranch in California. And she does a host of other jobs that helps ranchers throughout the West. Let's ride. The American Cattlemen Podcast is brought to you by Rawhide Portable Corrals out of Abilene, Kansas. RawhidePortableCorral.com By Marico Cattle Waterers. Always accessible, always fresh, and distributed by Gallagher. Learn more at am.gallagher.com. And by TYM Tractors, affordable power for the farm and ranch. Find out more at tymworld.com. Now, here's your host, Chap Ramsey. Thank you, Hunter. We sure appreciate that. Hey, you want to find us on social media? You can go ahead and Google American Cattleman Magazine. We're just all over the place. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, a note about what's in the American Cattleman Magazine this month. Heather Smith-Thomas has a great piece with tips for storing hay in the winter months. In another nutrition article, Jacqueline Komensky writes about keeping your cattle's body conditioning scores high enough to withstand the cold. And then we got some tips on how to get a better price for them calves. You'll find these stories and more in this edition of the American Cattleman. You can catch us online at AmericanCattleman.com. Hey, we're coming back with a conversation about the Angus Association and the amazing work they've done in marketing that breed. Our guest is the CEO of the St. Joe-based association, Mark McCauley. Stay with us. Therapies, the maternal bovine appeasing substance. This could be the most valuable calf crop in history. Get the most out of your calves. Wean your calves with Therapies. Studies have demonstrated that Therapies calves are 30 to 40 pounds heavier 45 days post weaning. Block the stress with Therapies. Less stress means healthier and heavier calves. Learn more at Therapies.com. That's F-E-R-A-P-P-E-A-S-E dot com. Hey, welcome back to the American Cattleman Podcast. Great that you're with us again today. Hey, we got something special for you right now. We've got this dominant breed called the American Angus and Mark McCauley, who's the CEO of the American Angus Association, is on the horn with us right now. Hey, Mark, welcome to the American Cattleman Podcast. Great to have you with us, sir. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for the invite. Yeah, you know, we're really interested in what this dominant breed has become. Y'all call yourselves the business breed. I mean, that's kind of your your, your name, your sub-name for the association. Why, why is that? You know, I think, uh, I think that tagline got adopted years, actually decades ago, literally. And I think it really spoke to... The focus of the breeders of, of Angus cattle at the time and that they were really focusing on on breeding cattle, uh, g- providing genetics to the to the beef industry that 
that helps people people grow their business and stay in business. And and largely, you know, early the Angus breed was largely known for for its maternal side of the equation and and keeping the commercial cow calf producer. Uh, with a cow that got bred and brought in a big calf every year and was just a good mother. And, and over time, I think what has happened is we've, we've kept that focus, but then also have been able to, to grow and improve our product quality and, and uh, the other traits of, of cattle that drive the business and drive profitability. And that's growth rate and efficiency and, and product merit and, beef quality and and I think all those things have have really lumped in together to uh to grow the the Angus breed and and uh, I th- again I think it all comes back to the the philosophy of the breeders philosophy of the organization is to really focus on the business and making sure we're providing profitable solutions out to commercial cattlemen. There you go. That's the word, profitable solutions. Mark McCauley is my guest ladies and gentlemen with the American Angus Association. So, how did it become your marketing by the way? For Angus is exceptional. You go into any grocery store, I don't care where it is, they got signs on the wall saying, hey, we've got Angus here and Angus there and Angus over here. It's just dominant. How did you get there? You know, I think it has been a a pretty fun success story to talk about. And, you know, I've been here in this role at the American Angus Association for four years. But prior to that, I spent 20 years at Certified Angus Beef, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of the American Angus Association. And got to really spend those two decades largely focused on building a brand and driving a brand. And, you know, the Certified Angus Beef brand was established back in the late 70s at a time when, it was really commodity beef. You go into a grocery yep. store or a restaurant, there, there was no labels, uh, really. There was grades, but there sure really weren't any brands yep. that, that stood for anything. And and the Angus breeders at the time said, you know what, we, we need to establish uh, a brand of, of beef that drives value for our Angus cattle. And one of the things that our breed does really well is marbling and quality and a great eating experience of that of that steak or roast or, or hamburger. And 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 the brand was born from that. And I think over time, um, you know, we always joke it's the overnight success that took 40 years to build, right? To, you yeah. know, it, it just didn't happen. But but because that brand got established and was tied to quality, consumers started to understand and recognize that. And I would say today they, you know, in some cases, in many cases, they recognize Angus almost as a grade uh, folks that yep. maybe don't understand breeds, but they understand Angus is better. Yep. You know, what happened was, it's so interesting because there was a void. There was a marketing void out there, and you guys picked up on that and said, hey, why don't we start to distribute this as a whole marketing incentive for the consumer to start to equate quality, high quality, with our breed, yeah? You know, absolutely. You know, and I think... It's interesting. You go back and do a little study of history. Back in that time, the 70s, there was this war on fat and yeah. beef breeds were actually kind of going the other way. We were, there was a focus on lean red meat yield and, and really no focus on marbling or ultimately the thing that drives consumer satisfaction largely. And and that's what the Angus breed did. And that's what certified Angus beef did. Kind of ran uh, against the current and against the trend for pretty, pretty long time until until that kind of started to 
you know, we now we talk about value-based marketing and grids and the dollars that are associated with high-quality beef and Angus beef and certified Angus beef and how producers can get paid for that. But that's really largely been a market dynamic that's occurred in the last decade. Uh, mm. That didn't exist back in the 70s and 80s, really, even at that time. Yeah, it was the consumer that really built the brand for you. And I think it's just an amazing story. And when you go back that far and realize that there was that void at the American Angus Association and your marketing group said, hey, let's go fill that. You know, it's even gotten so pervasive that I, we had polled Hereford. We did cow-calf polled Hereford. And uh, you go around having black baldies out there is a big deal, too. Yeah, and I grew up with Polderford cattle too. My wife grew up with Polderford cattle, so I, you know, it, it we in the, as as cattlemen we tend to associate ourselves with a breed that kind of becomes yeah, our yeah. identity. Uh, maybe sometimes to our to our to our fault, but uh, I'm I'm squarely in the Angus family today. Been here in, in the <laughs> Angus family for 25 years, but you know, um, I, I do think it's it's you know the Angus breed has grown. You know, we see different surveys, whether we're 70 to 80 percent of the of the genetic makeup of the beef industry today. Oh, and wow. I, I think it's it's because the genetics really work. They work for commercial cattlemen. Uh, they work on the maternal side. They're a solution for for fast gaining um, and, and high grading cattle. And and uh, we've got some great tools and 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 genetic prediction tools, EPDs that that we've got this big database of over 80 million phenotypes and over you know over a million genotypes that that all drive this really powerful genetic evaluation too so you got the marketing on one end and you've got the 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 power of the database behind the registered angus breed today and it's uh it's allowed the breed to to grow pretty substantially in market share mark mccauley's our guest ladies and gentlemen here on the american cattleman podcast well mark what about the closeness the 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 familiarity of angus breeders how do you maintain this well this this common interest in the breed what kind of work do you do to keep those family members that are angus breeders out there and in the cow calf business how, how do you keep them all informed and together but, and that's a that's a daily task, you know, right in our mission statement. We actually have the I'm glad you bring up the families because we have it right in our mission statement is to enhance the family, the livelihoods of family farmers and ranchers. And 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 I think, you know, we we talk about this a lot. We have twenty two thousand members, but mm -hmm. uh, they don't all define success the same way. We have folks that are that are in the business uh, because they they enjoy the lifestyle. They may have a little bit of land and they want to run some registered Angus cows. Uh, we have some folks that are, you know, fifth generation. This is their livelihood. Uh, this is the sole source of of revenue and income for their for their family. And they tend to look for the association for for some different things. Uh, some put more interest and in, uh, an emphasis on our genetic selection tools. Others put more um, emphasis and, and interest and put more value and maybe the things we do around our junior programs and our shows and our exhibits and our conventions and our meetings and our uh, we actually have what we call Angus University and it's a uh, it's an online education platform we do a lot of uh, we do webinars and outreach because we have folks new coming into the breed that that maybe didn't have an animal science class and they're needing to learn maybe some of that foundational sure. things that are 
fifth generation ranchers uh, uh, learned by the time they were 10, you know. So uh, that's a common, common thing that uh, we talk about. We strategize. Uh, we have a couple of great publications uh, that we produce. Uh, we have, we too have a, a couple podcasts, the Angus Conversation and, and Angus at Work, uh, finding all these new great media that, uh, that we can find ways to plug into our members and Angus producers and Angus enthusiasts that want to learn more. And one of the things I think that you, you just mentioned, Mark, was about size of the breeders, you know, the cow-calf operators. I mean, you know, somebody might be running on 3,000 acres out there, but somebody else might have, what, 200 acres and maybe 40 mama cows, but they're just as involved. Would that be accurate? Very much so. Uh, we've got this great diversity in our breed. Um, a big chunk of our members actually are, are rel- very small. They may register less than 20 head. Mm. Um, and uh, But we also then have... Uh, you know, 5% of our total members are 100 head or more, but they make up half of our registrations into our herd book every year. So we've got this great diversity within our breed. Uh, uh, well, a lot of times we talk about the size of the breeders, but but very much the type of Angus cattle that they're trying to breed, the the, the geography that and the and the land that they run on. Uh, we have folks from the from from Florida to Montana to uh, to the to the to the high desert country to uh, New Mexico. Yeah, I mean we've just got to to, to uh, places where I grew up in Illinois where you know you could you could dig a post hole with uh, you can go six <laughs> feet down in topsoil. That wasn't a problem, you know. So we've got this great diversity. It's a great diversity in agriculture, and we enjoy that in the Angus family as well. Now, your headquarters is based out of St. Joe, Missouri, and many people may not know the history of that little town. That it was the gateway to the West. That was where the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Pony Express started. I mean, there's a lot of history in St. Joe, yeah? Tremendous amount of history. I, uh, I'm a, I am a transplant here. I, I, I moved here four years ago, so we were getting to be kind of, even just a couple weekends ago, we, we went out and did, we were a tourist in our, in our own community and went down to the uh, couple of museums, lots of great museums here. But, but that's why St. Joe uh, uh, became home to the American Angus Association back in the 50s. Uh, some would also know that St. Joe used to be a huge market hub. We yep. have a giant uh, uh, stockyards here in St. Joe. It's just here recently over the last few years been uh, has, has been torn down and closed. Uh, uh, but it was a, a hub for uh, for livestock trade. And so when the uh, when the American Angus Association was moved out of Chicago back in the 50s, uh, they looked to some of these big livestock hub cities around the country to to uh, to entertain the opportunity to move the headquarters there. And, and St. Joe was the winner. And it, it made a whole lot of sense then. Let's talk a little bit about the future, Mark McCauley, about the American Angus Association, the breeders. Uh, you know, you mentioned genetics and you also mentioned all the data that you have. And we always say that data drives decisions. Uh, where, where do you see the association in five, 10 years? What do you think? You know, I, I think you're spot on. We, we also look at, uh, we, we know that uh, the, the analytics, the, the data behind our genetic selection, we, we do genomics now uh, uh, on, on close to 70% of our registered cattle have a genomic profile, a DNA profile mm-hmm. done on them to where it's, it's, uh, it's, it's such a far more powerful uh, process and we can put far more powerful selection tools to where we can describe these uh, these cattle and how they're going to perform uh, allowing breeders to go uh, 
you know, if they want to make them bigger, want to make them smaller, want to put more marbling in them, want to uh, whatever traits uh, that they want to put emphasis on. We've got a, a far better. We talk about our toolbox all the time. We've got a far more powerful toolbox that we can provide breeders uh, each and every day. And so that's that's a big part of our focus is is genetic improvement tools. Um, but we also, um, you know, look on the marketing side of things and, and how we can help our, our, our registered breeders, uh, we, uh, how we can help them market. Uh, we've got a media company uh, that, uh, that, that will continue to be innovative. And uh, we've got, a, um, you know, some pretty cool innovative uh, programs that we're building now that uh, our producers can build their sale, uh, sale books in. And then it gives them all sorts of analytics back on, mm. you know, we have 35 million page views in our online sale catalogs now mm. for our Angus breeders. Uh, the, the business is just continues to evolve and we'll continue to evolve with it. Uh, I think on the branded beef side, well, you know, that's where we're, we're, we've got such a, a great uh, uh, luxury today to be having a brand that uh, in certified Angus beef that consumers know uh, will sell uh, over 1.2 billion pounds of, of certified Angus beef product uh, this year. And and uh, we'll continue to innovate on in how we deliver that uh, to uh, uh, hungry consumers that that crave certified Angus beef around the world. And then that continues to drive demand back for our registered Angus cattle. So, you know, a lot of the fundamentals uh, that we've that we've always stuck to um, help make the Angus breed better uh, with genetic selection tools. Uh, but we're going to do that more with uh, data. We're going to do that more with genomics. Uh, and then we'll continue to innovate on the marketing side. We have a program called Angus Link that producers can, uh, we can actually uh, enroll groups of feeder cattle in that program and describe their genetic merit based on the genetics that, the, that are in those calves. And then that helps convey that on to buyers and helps those uh, calves that are have a bigger or a better uh, uh, genetic merit, more value to the feeder, allows them to get paid for that. So one example of some of the innovation going on. Wow. There's so much going on. Final question for you. You know, as as we see the farming and ranching community, the heads of those families age, uh, what opportunities are there for not only younger individuals interested in the Angus program, but also women on the ranch? Well, very much. I, I do think we're we're... You know, we've always had this aging, aging uh, uh, farmer and rancher out there, and I think that's just the nature of of our business. Obviously, the capital it takes to be a part of this business, but but we continue to see more opportunities. I was talking to a, a very um, big breeder yesterday, and, and he was talking about some of the hard times that they'd come through mm -hmm. and some of the things they've got challenged in front of them. But he said, you know what? There's always opportunities. You just got to look for them. And you know that uh, I think that's our situation today. I, I see. Some 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 younger folks coming back into the business that are willing to look at the business a little bit different. Um, gosh, the number of, of cattlemen we have today that are, that have built out a direct to consumer beef trade yep. Um, yep. is uh, is you know COVID kind of threw some gas on that spark and and today I, I see families that have grown that and allowed that to to add to the revenue to their overall operation and and allow another generation to uh, uh, to find their foothold and and so. Um, lots of lots of great stuff going on, lots of opportunities if uh, we're willing to look for them. You know, one of the things you just said, we have noticed all over the country how more and more lockers are opening up and then doing that direct from ranch or farm to the table. And, and consumers are really interested where their beef comes from, yeah? 
Absolutely. I think if you just look at the growth of farmers markets and again, all this direct to consumer, you know, we have technology now and apps and, and uh, phones and, yeah. and things that uh, can, can help us make those connections maybe better than we could 15 years or so ago or whenever. And, and so I think it's uh, the, that ground will just continue to be cultivated, I believe. And we're going to probably see more and more of that consumer wanting to build that connection with their, uh, their food producer. Uh, and I think that's really good for all of us. Mark McCauley, ladies and gentlemen, he is the CEO of the American Angus Association based in the great town of St. Joseph, Missouri. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the American Cattlemen Podcast. I appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. That's the voice of Mark McCauley from the American Angus Association. You can learn more on their website. Hey, coming up next, we're headed to Kingsville, Texas, and a great conversation with the historic King Ranch folk. All of the things that they do from the American red to pasture grass to a string of storied horses. Hey, they even got brick and mortar stores. Come on back and learn more about the King Ranch. At TYM Tractors, our tractors are made to tackle each owner's distinct needs as they shape the world around them. We augment productivity through technology, quality, and durability creating equipment specifically designed to deliver long-term value and overcome customer challenges. Check out our website, tym.world forward slash en hyphen us for more information. Don't waste valuable time tending to back rubbers and ear tags. Stop letting horn flies harm your cattle and your profits. With Altacid IGR, you'll get consistent horn fly control without changing what you're already doing, feeding your cattle. With this pre-mixed feed-through, you won't be measuring fly control into cattle minerals. You'll be measuring added weight gains. Altacid IGR passes through cattle into manure where horn flies lay eggs, preventing adult flies that interfere with cattle health and profitability. Turn to Altacid IGR for horn fly control year after year, to stop changing fly products each season. And like ear tags and sprays that require the effort of handling cattle, Altacid IGR spreads as your cattle grazes. With no known resistance, Altacid IGR is the proven choice in fly control. Go to the IGR that delivers the most ROI. Contact your feed dealer today or go to altacidigr.com. Hey, welcome back to the American Cattlemen Podcast. Great to have you with us today. Appreciate the time that you're spending with us. Hey, out on the line, we've got a really interesting conversation to have with the folks from the King Ranch. With me is Heath Brigg. He's the vice president over there, the ranching side, and, and Daryl White. And he's a director there for our friends at the King Ranch, this storied King Ranch on the American Cattlemen Podcast. Gentlemen, welcome aboard. Great to have you here. Thank you, Chad. Good to be here. All right, Heath, we'll, we'll get started with you. Uh, can you give me, you know, you're the vice president of ranching. and I would imagine there's a lot of folks out there that say, what in the world? We've got all these high-powered folks down there at the King Ranch. I thought it was just cowboys and uh, horses. But there's so much going on at the King Ranch, and, I mean, you've got 
Ford F-150s named after you. You've got all kinds of things going on. Uh, tell us a little bit briefly about the history of the King Ranch. So then we're going to get into this, uh, uh, talk about breed improvement and uh, all the things that you guys are associated with. Go for us there, Heath. All right, Jeff. Well, you know, if we were going to get into the entire history of King Ranch, it's going to have to be a lot longer show than what we've <laughs> <laughs> what we've scheduled for right. today. But, you know, as... <clears throat> As known, we you know the the ranch was founded in 1853 by Captain King, who was coming up to to the state fair in Corpus. Uh, ran across the first live water that he uh, that he found in his in his travels, and fell in love with this country and and started building a ranch. And in the in he married Henrietta King, and they moved up here in eight as I said, you know, mid 1850s and, and started building what we have today. And we still have structures on the ranch and we still use those structures that were built by him back in the 1850s. Uh, and so we've got a lot, there's a lot of history here. Uh, so as he started building the ranch, he started, you know, just like everybody, we started, you know, the Longhorn was the first, right. you know, uh, and so as as we started, as the cattle industry started changing in the United States and the quest and the desire for a better better product, he, rec- he recognized that, the ranch recognized that and started, uh, started breeding, you know, different genetics and different breeds uh, to try to, to try to produce the product that, that, uh, that the American consumer wanted, and especially when the when the rail came in, you know, that's when we were really able to take off and start, uh, start producing the beef and get it, get it distributed around the, around the country. And so, you know, after many, you know, they, they brought in Herefords and Shorthorns and Brahmins and, and after the, you know, mixing all that in the pot, you know, we developed the Santa Gertrudis. And so our first, our first Santa Gertrudis was born in 1920 and that was monkey. He was born on the Morellis division. And we realized that that's, that's the animal that that worked down here. That's what we. That's what those uh, our predecessors had been looking for in an, in a breed of cattle. And in 1940, it was recognized and became the first breed of breed of cattle uh, originating in the United States. Yeah, that's an it's an amazing history. Now, why that breed of cattle? Is it is it weather related? Is it uh, uh, Grazing opportunities. What is it that uh, causes Santa Cruz to thrive in your part of the country? Well, you know, it's it's got a to answer your question. Yes, you know, all of those. But you know, the Santa Cruz has got, you know, it has has some Brahmin influence, which you need down here, and you know, creates creates the ability for that mother to. Uh, to thrive in this country, to to reproduce year in and year out in this country, and you know we've got we've got animals in this herd. We've got over forty. We've got around forty six hundred head in our herd that are over ten years old. Wow. We've got three thousand head that have never been open, and we've got fifteen year old cows still having calves out here. So that's a testament to the stability of this of this animal. Wow! And they're producing calves that hang on the rail. Uh, that come out of our feed yard that hang on the rail that is consistent and with with the quality that you see across the United States. We're grading consistently over 80% choice and producing prime prime beef animals as well. And so, you know, we have identified, we have found that Amer- that uh, that 
that mother that thrives down here. And with the influence of um, uh, red Angus into it, we we have the American red animal, which is, you know, our version of the American red is an F1, uh, F1 red Angus Angus mother. And we've identified that she is the mother for this country mm. and our, our, our production, our, you know, the breed up is we have great breed ups. They're all over 90% yeah. every year. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, you know, you've got to start with the cow first. You've got to identify, you know, you've got to build the animal that fits the country. And we've, and that's, that's the animal that we have running around the ranch today. And let me ask you guys, how many acres are you running down there? Well, the ranch is 825,000 acres. And, you know, we do have, you know, right now, you know, north of 70,000 acres of that is is farmland. And the rest is is country that is suitable for, for livestock grazing. Now, you're not only doing cattle, but you're also doing horses, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yeah, so we... We have about 250, 280 head of horses on the ranch that, you know, most of those are out on the cattle units. And our our horse program has been designed to produce the best ranch horse that we can mm-hmm. for our cowboys. So every year they get two-year-olds that goes out that go out into the units and stay in, stay in their units for a certain amount of time. And then we identify, and these are geldings and mares, you know, um, you know, some ranches don't put their mares to work, but we do, our mares have to prove themselves. And at a certain age, we, we identify the mares that we want back. And so we'll bring that, bring them back in and they enter the broodmare herd. Hmm. Pedigrees on many of those horses come from, uh, cowy animals, I'd imagine. Yeah, so we've you know old sorrel is the is the foundation yeah, for yeah. you know for, for our for our horses. We've got the we've got P one in the AQHA registry. That's 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 Wimpy, and and we have well over seven thousand head of horses that have that are in the AQHA registry. So it's you know we've had a big big influence on the quarter horse industry, and you know there's a you know you're hard pressed to find find ranches that don't have horses that trace back to to king ranch somehow that's right hey daryl let's uh, bring you in the conversation if we can uh, t- talk to us a little bit about what you get to do down there at the king ranch sure my role is to oversee cow calf operations across the four divisions uh today we've got approximately twenty five thousand females um we uh it's a, a fully integrated operation we've We've got uh, a feed yard. We stock our quite a few cattle, and um, my role is to support those operations. How many folks work at the King Ranch? And I, and I know we're going to get into the diversification here in just a minute, but how many folks you got uh, under contract down there? Mr. Gary is probably the best one to answer this, but I, on the ranches today, we've got approximately 130 140 huh. total total employees on the ranch, and then Daryl, you've got uh, how many under you? Sure, we've we've got approximately 40 cowboys today. That includes at the feed yard. We don't use any outside help. There's no there's no day workers. We our full time employees do 100 percent of the the uh, cow work. Now, how did you guys get to the King Ranch? What's your background, Heath? Well, I I started in in south texas and you know i've i've been blessed in my career to work for some some really top top outfits 
in South and Southwest Texas and able to run cattle across South Texas, whether it's cow calf, whether it's stalkers, and then also, you know, running cattle up through the, you know, through Oklahoma and Kansas as well. And so, you know, it's, I made my circle mostly in South Texas, but it widened out when I got into the Oklahoma and Kansas area and, you know, the good Lord blessed me and, and here I am. Yeah. How about you, Daryl? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, worked for some small to medium-sized ranches out of uh, my undergrad at A&M for uh, about 10 years. Went back to school, got a graduate degree from the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management here in Kingsville. Uh, developed relationships with uh, some folks here at the ranch. And after graduation, managed a ranch in outside of Laredo and then managed some ranches in Florida uh, and you know, same here. Feel blessed to get to work for such a a great company and a neat place, and a storied place at that. Guests are sure. Heath Grigg and Daryl White. We're talking about the King Ranch in Kingville, Texas. Uh, with all the acres that you guys got under production, uh, you're also branded out in different businesses across the United States. Is that right? You got you got some uh, land in Florida. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, you know, King Ranch entered Florida, you know, many years ago and, and prime, you know, our, our, our primary business out there is citrus and sugar cane. Yeah. But we also, we're, we have a large footprint in the turf grass industry in Florida as well. And so, you know, we're, as we are in Texas, we're the, you know, we're one of the top or number one turf grass producer in the state of Texas. And then here recently in the past few years, we've, uh, we've entered California, where we produce uh, almonds and pistachios. It's amazing. It just is amazing. I, I recently was in uh, Lancaster County up in Pennsylvania doing some work, and it's so interesting to talk to you guys about diversified agriculture uh, because there, you know, our friends in the Old Order Amish, the average farm size in Lancaster County is 88 acres. <laughs> but they are right but they are fully diversified i mean they got chickens and hogs and they got it all and uh they grow some tobacco it's just an amazing thing and and so you found diversification on a mega scale to be helpful how important is that to their survival and to the uh profit margins of the king ranch oh it's very important you know we as you look at as you look at any business you know diversification is very important yep. you know because not because uh, <clears throat> you know in today's markets you know not everything's up and not everything's down but as we look at here on the ranch you know we are uh, we're vertically integrated uh, throughout the value chain and and that helps us you know that helps us uh, succeed here at the ranch as well Talk to me a little bit about foreign influence in the cattle market here in the U.S. You know, every once in a while, we get a question about South American beef and coming up uh, into the U.S. Is that how big of an impact is that overall to to the cattle market, guys? Well, I think the the all commodities, including cattle, are becoming, you know more and more of a, a global market so you know not only imports but exports also you know thinking about the feedstuffs 
that go into finishing a, a calf. So, so more important every day as, as far as what, what's going on in the, in the, uh, in the global politics. Yeah. Chap, as you look at, as you look at the cattle industry on what, what the export market, uh, means to, to the to the U S beef industry, you know, you're, we're pushing $500 a head huh. that go towards, uh, go towards each, of, you know, that goes towards uh, the U S cattle industry. So, you know, keeping these, keeping these export markets open and diversification there is important too, as we look at, you know, our relationships across the, across the globe, you know, it's important to keep those, uh, keep those relationships on a, on a, on a level of uh, diversification that, that where, you know, for the lack of a better term, we don't want all of our eggs in one basket because um, you know, a lot of volatility out there right now. And so this, it's, it's critical that we, uh, that our export market stays strong. Two other questions for you guys. Uh, one is going to be about consumers. You know, consumers today want to know where their beef is coming from. That's a big deal for marketing. Uh, is there a way, or do you all take a look at that and 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 market King Ranch beef uh, to the to the consumer? Well, we do, we don't direct market uh, to the consumer, you know. But we're you know the the consumer that's that is our customer. You right. Know, we um, we we definitely you know that's that's what drives our our business. You know, we every day we work to produce the product that the consumer wants, and I think we have that product. And uh, about beef prices, now, they've been fluctuating some, uh, going up and going down at the supermarket I'm talking about. Uh, where do you see this going in, in the future? Herds remaining pretty stable for you? What do you see? Sure. I, I think when you – it's complex, right, Chap? But yeah. I think uh, we're, we're more focused on – you know, the, the profitability at the cow-calf level, uh, stalker, feed yard level. Um, and thankfully, you know, we live in a country that has a, a strong appetite for beef. And um, right now, the we're in the part of the cattle cycle where hopefully cow-calf producers can, you know, experience some elevated profits um, the last five, six, seven years. And as uh, margins haven't been near as good as we hope they're going to be the next few years, but uh, I'm going to add to what Daryl mentioned, and that you know, uh, beef demand is staying strong, and and I, I echo you know Daryl and the fact that you know we have we have entered to, into a uh, a phase of our of the cattle cycle that is that is beneficial to the producer, and and so um, you know we just. We have to we have to make sure that we're we're still uh, producing the product that keeps that demand strong. Right, every single day, and there is no rest for you guys, is there? I mean, this is a this is a full time operation that goes every single day, and uh, I, I think it's just remarkable. Eight hundred and twenty five thousand acres, and that's uh, that's just an amazing history, guys. I want to thank you for your time. I know Heath, you're on a on a short string here. And uh, we want to be recognizing that. So uh, we'll cut you all loose. And uh, hopefully we can come back at another time and and, and, and sit in there and, and talk more about uh, the exciting future 
of the King Ranch. So thank you guys. Yeah, you bet. You bet. And, uh, you know, it was great, great to be here. Uh, great to, great to, uh, uh, to visit with you and, you know, maybe next time we can, we can get into, uh, to the American Reds and, and discuss, uh, discuss our partnership, the Sanger Tudis partnership with Red Angus and, and what, and the, and the gains we're making on that front. I'd really like to do that because this is an important discovery and an important, uh, breed specific that we need to talk about the American Red and the King Ranch. Thanks again, fellas. Thank you, chap. If, if anybody's interested in discussing the cattle operation, we'd be happy to, they can get our information online on the, on our website. You got it. All right. You guys take care. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. That was quite a story. Hope you learned some things there. I know we sure did. More about the King Ranch on their website. Coming up next, we're going to close the gate on this edition with our pal from California, rancher and marketer Celeste Sartini, as the American Cattleman podcast continues. Check out this new and improved classic model from Rawhide Portable Corrals. It's got a number of advantages and features you'll love. This rawhide corral is a throwback to our old style and can be purchased as either a bumper pole or gooseneck design. Check out our website for all of our current models at rawhideportablecorrals.com or call 785-263-3436. Hey, welcome back to the American Cattleman Podcast. My name's Chad Ramsey. Great to have you with us. We're going to be talking to a cattlewoman. Her name is Celeste Satrini, and Celeste has been so involved in the cattle industry, especially on the West Coast. And she's grew up on a ranch, runs a ranch with her brother, and she is a multifaceted individual. We're going to learn more about Celeste right now. Celeste, welcome to the American Cattleman Podcast. Great to have you with us. Well, Chap, it's so great to be on. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I, you know, you and I go back a bit. I've, I've known you for a while. And, and I, I think I first met you when you were hanging around with a uh, another fella by the name of Trent Lose and Loose Tails. I think you were doing fashion stuff with Trent at one time. Is that right? Yes, that was probably, oh gosh, that's been over 10 years ago. I want to say closer to 15 years ago. Um, At the time, I was very involved with California Women for Agriculture out here, and I was their state president, and Trent would have me on his Loose Tales um, radio show every so often, and then it got to the point where Um, I have a love for fashion as well as cattle and all things ranching. And so he came up with this crazy idea to do Fashion Friday every (laughs) Friday. So, yeah. Why not? We did that for a while. And you look good good doing it too, Celeste. I mean, that's, that's the most important part. Tell us a little bit about you and the ranch there. Well, yeah, that's the most important thing. Um, We want to kind of get away from Fashion Friday. That was just a very tiny blip on the radar. But uh, the ranch is where I now reside or actually have been residing my entire life. Always had um, a part in our family commercial cow-calf operation here in Salinas. And Salinas is located about 20 miles inland from the Pacific Ocean. So we're right here on the coast in central California. 
My family's been here for 108 years. They migrated from uh, Switzerland and Italy and came over here to Salinas and started a dairy, actually 108 years ago. And then uh, through, you know, evolution of time and things that changed, uh, went to a beef cattle operation. And so currently my brother and I now run our cow-calf Red Angus Ranch. And my mom's still an integral part of that. She kind of handles the books and tells me when I can and cannot spend money. <laughs> and I just handled the day-to-day work of the ranch. And with that has come all kinds of other wonderful things that I've been involved with that I'm sure we'll probably talk about. Yes, indeed. So I want to talk a little bit about women and ranching. That's become a bigger thing these days. There's a lot of women that have taken up the reins, so to speak. And are out there leading some of these cow-calf operations all across the United States. Is that accurate? You know, yes. It seems like there's more and more. I see more and more articles um, that are published about that. Um, seem to meet more and more uh, young women that um, are involved in ranching. For me, it was always a part of who I was from a very young age. Um, and then about 10 years ago... Uh, My dad suddenly passed away in an accident Mm. here on the ranch. And so it was something that I kind of knew that I always wanted to do, but yet was, it was a matter of necessity then. And so 10 years ago, um, we, brother and I were here, uh, you know, dad was now gone and we had to make it work. And so I think a lot of the women that I've come in contact with, It's not only that it's something that they wanted to do, it was something out of necessity, you know, to keep the family legacy alive and to um, continue doing what we do. And for me, I always loved it. And so um, I'm very passionate about it. And so it was just a natural fit for me. Our guest is Celeste Trini, ladies and gentlemen, and she is uh, a rancher and she's morphed into several other things that I think is just fabulous. You're also working with other producers, cow-calf people. You were recently up in Wyoming doing a gig. Uh, Tell us about that side of Celeste. Well, that side of Celeste, it all kind of um, ties together. As a young person in college, I always had it on my heart to represent other ranchers and to do something good for them, but really couldn't figure out how to make that happen. And so I had a stint for about 25 years when I graduated from college in the produce business where I was the commodities broker for 25 years and then um, always still involved on the ranch. But then, as I mentioned, dad was no longer with us and so fully engulfed here on the ranch. And from that gave me the opportunity to start these different things that I always kind of had sitting on my heart back in college. And so I uh, started working for other ranchers with um, my job with Turlock Livestock Auction Yard, which is one of the major livestock markets here in California over in the Central Valley. And I'm a country rep for them. So represent families, cattle at the auction barn. And when I was in Wyoming, that was the sale for Western Video Market. Mm. Um, I also assist them with um, the video portion of marketing cattle. And so I was up there with them uh, for a couple days with that. So that's something that I have, I have really, really enjoyed doing. That has occurred uh, just the last couple years. I've been working with them, with the folks at Turlock um, at the sale barn. But in addition to that, I started a little business called the Bull Sale Bulletin, 
And that's another segment of livestock marketing, but that is helping seed stock producers and your purebred cattle producers um, with their bull sales. And so um, most of my customers are here in California. And so during the fall, starting September 1, which is next week, I will be uh, real busy the month of September going to many of the bull sales and promoting those sales, um, taking photos, doing social media marketing uh, for those ranches, and then also uh, working hard to get buyers in the seats at those different bull sales. So it's all kind of work together with the ranching side of things and then my sales side of stuff as well. That's an amazing story. And, you know, one of the things I think is so interesting is, is you're old enough, and I ain't telling anybody how old you are, but one of the things I think is interesting is that you you remember when we used to pass around fax machine uh, documents. That was the way that we would connect with people, for crying out loud. Now, uh, social media and the opportunity to do video and share that with potential customers and uh, folks looking for seed stock. I mean, things have really, really changed, haven't they? Yes, very much so. And social media marketing, I think, has gotten to be such a big player yep. in the livestock marketing game. Um, even when I started Bull Sale Bulletin, that's been now probably nine years into that. In the beginning, I had this vision that, you know, why not kind of represent these families and do some PR and marketing on, you know, social media? And at first, they were a little hesitant to that. And so the first year that I did it, I approached different ranches here in California, and I actually just gave them my services. I, I worked free for a full month, traveled around to a lot of these different sales, kind of showing them what I could do, and um, was very blessed after that, you know, the following year that they teamed up with me, and actually now it's a, it's a small business, actually a pretty good business, um, where they pay me to market their cattle, um, advertise them on social media, and then with the connections that I have made at the sale barn and all the folks that I meet there, um, that only helps, you know, find bull sale customers. And so it's all worked out really, really well for me. And it's just was kind of a vision that I had and, and figured, you know, let's try it and see what happens. And I really have nothing to lose. I've got my gig here on the ranch, but this might be something kind of fun. And in addition to what I'm already doing, that not only uh, will promote what I'm doing here on the ranch, but can help other ranchers. And so it's 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 really been quite quite good. And, and because you're so easy to talk to, uh, you can make friends almost immediately. I imagine as long as you've been doing this, Celeste, you've got some fast friends out there all over the cattle business. Yeah? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And that's one thing that I tell people. There is not a person that I meet that doesn't become my friend. And right. I, I truly say that I've got a love for people and a love for this industry and have never been one that was intimidated or afraid of talking to people. Um, you know, sometimes you get folks that you might meet along the way that maybe you're pretty high up the food chain and have been doing things and are pretty darn successful. And for some, it might be a little intimidating to approach them and, and visit with them and, and not me. I'm. I just want to meet everybody and and talk to everybody. And and one thing I think that I or if people have said of me that I think is probably a good thing 
is that I, I really try hard to make everyone feel like they're a part of the deal, whether you're, you know, the CEO of the company or the guy that's got two head that he's bringing to the sale barn that week. I, I really try hard that every everybody's kind of the same. My dad always told me we all put our pants on the same. And I've never, never forgotten that, whether you're, like I said, way high up the food chain or someone that, you know, is a janitor, whatever. Whatever it is. So. Celeste Trini, ladies and gentlemen, is our guest on American Cattlemen Podcast talking about her businesses outside of not only the ranch, but also the marketing and the social media and working with sale barns. What about technology in the sale arena? How far away do some of these bull sales how far away are some of these customers? I mean, they, they can they don't have to be right there. They can be almost anywhere, can't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of, even with our own sale barn that we have there, Livestock Marketing Association does a wonderful job of providing a, um, it's a internet service, LMA auctions, where a lot of these sale barns can um, team up with them to get their sales online. And now there's other, there's live auctions, DV auctions. Um, there's all these different auction businesses um, CCI, which is, um, Christy Collins is a dear friend back in Oklahoma. She started one, a lot of different businesses that can't, you can put your sales online and team up with these folks. And so I, I use my brother as an example, you know, he's so busy here on the ranch and maybe a sale is two, three hours away and he just can't get away for the day to get right, that done. Right, right. And so you can sit at his desk. You know, ahead of time, look at the catalog. A lot of times these calves now um, have videos online that you can check out and look at. Maybe you can go to the ranch a different time, you know, a couple weeks before and look at things and kind of get an idea of what you want. And there on sale day, you sit there down at your desk or in your recliner, um, you know, grab something to drink and bid on cattle. <laughs> and so um, they've made it very, very user friendly. Um, it's only getting more and more popular. And a lot of the sales now, even, you know, the good old days where I know out here anyway, where cattle would come through the ring on a bull, at a bull sale, we now have used video technology where the folks that are sitting there in the seats are actually looking at a video and actually not looking wow. at the live bull coming through the ring. And so technology just, there just keeps getting more and more of it. Um and really, a lot of the things are very useful and very good. I I don't say that about some technology that's out there. I kind of like to do things the old-fashioned way. But but with this, it, it has made a difference. It's made things easier for people. It's easier on the cattle, those big animals. It's, it's tough on them, especially out here in California. It's been, you know, the last few years real warm during bull sale season. And so, you know, instead of having them come through the ring, they can hang out in their pens in the shade bays. People can go look at them. And then when they come and sit down, um, either at the sale itself or in the comfort of your home and, and bidding on them, you're bidding on a video lot, which which is a lot, lot easier on the cattle for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about the ranch that's home for you. Started by your folks or your grandparents and, and uh, more from a dairy farm. And you talk about work. That's, you know, you never get away when you're a dairyman. You, you indicated that you were running Red Angus. Why'd you pick on that breed? 
You know, um, we just, my dad, for some reason, we got hooked up many, many years ago. Um, our initial cow herd started with um, Leachman Red Angus up mm. in Montana, uh, had gotten some bulls from them. And the, the Red Angus cow is just, for here where we are, is just optimal. They're great mamas. They are great in the temperatures that we have. Um they're docile because we do a lot of our work. You know, my brother and I, it's just us. On occasion, we'll, we'll have um, hired help. But it's him and I usually on a four-wheeler that's gathering or in the in the corral on foot. And they're just, just awesome cattle. Um, they've proven really well in the feed yard. We've been very lucky. Um, going on 10 years now, the same feed yard has bought our calves yeah. um, year after year in the video. And so that really is a testament to what the cattle are doing. And, and uh, when you, when you've got somebody in the sale barn and in the video that are continuing to buy your cat cattle, same guys buying them every year, uh, you know, you're doing something right. Yeah. And so red Angus is just fit for us. Um, and we've been very, very pleased with them. So you mentioned something about the weather, and I know it's uh, we've been watching weather out there in California, but further south of you, it's been getting a whole downpour of rain out there because of the because of the, uh, the cyclone. Or yeah, the... there's a hurricane. Yeah, it's something crazy. California's weather um, here, where I'm located. The weather, in fact, I get teased a lot that our cows have never seen a bad day huh. because the weather is really quite nice year round. I mean, we are coldest. We rarely freeze. And I'd say a majority of the time throughout the year, even in the winter times, high 50s, low 60s. Nice. And then in the summer, you know, if it hits 90, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very blessed for where we are. Um, down in Southern California, right now, some kind of crazy hurricane came through. And I don't know, I knew people down there that got 11 inches of rain yeah. in a day. Yeah. And that area down there does not get a whole heck of a lot of rain. So um, at any time of the year. So they're having a few issues with flooding and, you know, they, they don't know quite what to do with uh with things like that happening but, right right um well I, yeah our weather's been a little strange been real muggy and yeah and well it's, it's kind of a, it, there's a change in the seasons that's for sure and you're going to be starting out at first of september and uh, going to be a busy woman for some time and i i just want to thank you celeste for coming on the american cattleman podcast talking a little bit about your evolution from from working in produce, you know, to the ranch and, and helping ranchers out there and cow-calf operations and bull sales. I mean, this is pretty striking, and, and we're just proud to know you and uh, wish you the very best as you continue your work. Thank you so much. It's been so nice to be on here and just love my fellow ranchers and would do anything to, to get out and talk the good talk of what we do and why we do it. So there you go. thank you very much. What a busy woman who clearly loves her many jobs. Hey, about time to close the gate on this edition of the American Cattleman Podcast. Thanks for being with us. We'll catch you next time right here on the American Cattleman Podcast. Podcast.